0: Today, here on Cincy Business Talk, with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training, by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth.
1: Thanks everyone for joining us. Sorry for the short delay. Uh, This is Mike Roth. I'm here with Jim Wilson. We're going to chat for a moment and then we're going to bring Phil Wiseman on. Uh, Jim is the Sandler franchisee here in uh, uh, Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati at Strategic Sales Experts and uh, today we're going to be talking with Phil a little bit about the importance of being number one in Google search, generic search. Before we get started with Phil, I wanted to uh, remind our listeners about our upcoming two Business Leaders Workshops. The uh, first one is on November 16th, uh, and that one's titled The 10 Questions You Should Ask Your Salespeople. And then the second Business Leaders Workshop is coming up on December 7th, and that's called... Setting Goals You Can Achieve. Both great uh, programs. Okay. We talked about the Business Leaders Workshop. Next, we we have the seminar on, in Sandler Foundations on asking the correct questions. Jim, why don't you tell our listeners how a, a little bit about uh, why that's important on Tuesday at 930.
2: Well, I'm excited to be teaching the class, Mike. Uh, I feel that it gives people an opportunity to understand the time that they have in front of a prospect is valuable. And if they're not careful, they're going to be discussing prospects' dog, which is not bad, uh, their next event that's coming up, anything but the real reason why they're there. And being able to ask better questions to get to the answers that you need is a key aspect of sales. And everybody seems to think that they that's a simple task, just ask a question and get an answer. But dealing with your prospect. How many times do they really want to show all their cards? Mm-hmm. Not, oh, not often. Not often. So uh, the, the class is going to walk through how to find out what cards your prospects are holding.
1: Right. You're never going to find pain unless you start to ask the right questions. Uh, without using the name of the, uh, the vendors, uh, Jim and I were out on a uh, a shopping trip this morning lo- looking for some uh, additional uh product for the, our training center and uh, jim how many questions did either one of the two salespeople who were talking to us ask none <laughs> uh, so that was a, a dead zero and what promptly happened when we got to their location
2: oh we discussed uh, m&ms uh, they immediately started falling to features and benefits mm mm-hmm. uh, How
1: much time did we spend on features and benefits?
2: Oh, we were, Mike, we were an hour and fifty minutes on features and benefits.
1: hmm Would you say uh, uh, that you, you now know everything you have to know about that product to make a uh, purchasing decision from them or someone else, technically?
2: Technically speaking, I know all the whistles and bells when it comes to one of those electronic items.
1: Yes, and, and you got educated today. I did. I got, a, I got some education today. It was really good. Um, and at the end of the meeting, I took him to the prospect system of buying, and I said, well, how much is that going to be?
2: Exactly. And he walked through item by item.
1: Uh, yeah. Line by line. Line by line. Every item that we were going to need. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So we were educated, and we now know what the value of the proposition is.
2: Oh, and all the features. And
1: all the features.
2: All the features, even Model A and Model B, um, what you can add, what you can't add, mm-hmm. uh, how much something weighs, the difficulties of getting it up the steps, uh, what to do, what not to do. We now have all the cars.
1: And, and, and we know now that the product is uh, stocked in Indianapolis. Yeah. So it's an easy one-day drive to get it here.
2: And they're competitors. We now know they're competitors.
1: Mm-hmm. So we were, we were well educated. Uh Jim, why don't you tell our our audience how much information we gave up by answering their questions?
2: Um the one question I got at the at the very, very end was would we be considering to buy or lease? hmm That I said I prefer buying. I didn't commit to buying mm-hmm. over leasing and that was about it. Yeah.
1: I guess and then the salespeople had a uh Wipe up all of the salivation. <laughs> <laughs> <You're>
2: right. <laughs> uh, have some nice business cards. They gave me some nice business cards.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Phil Wiseman is, is joining us right now. Uh, Phil, we'll, we'll be ready for you in a couple of minutes. Uh, Jim, what do you think a better questioning strategy might be?
2: Well, you know, why did we just drive... Why did I just spend? It dropped off my son, seven fifty, and I ended up in Westchester. Westchester, nine fifteen. I spent too long in traffic due to the rain and all the wrecks. Why did I take all that time to come up there? What was my perceived need at the time? It would have been a, a nice place to start. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it would have been uh, great if we would have known. Oh, they 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 would have known what we were looking for, right? When we were looking for it how much of a budget we had, Uh, all of that stuff would have been uh, excellent. But they didn't get that information.
2: And um, they really didn't find out what our timeline was. Nope. They really didn't find out necessarily clearly how we were going to use what we were looking at. Right. Um, They spent a lot of time telling us how it's been used by other customers Mm -hmm. and how it's applied to other scenarios but never really try to find out how it was going to work in our scenario.
1: Right. They were extremely good about answering questions. Oh,
2: they told us everything. We're
1: well-educated buyers now. Hmm. I'm wondering, listeners, do you educate your prospects so they can become better shoppers from your competitors to commoditize you? I don't know. But we certainly got a good education today. Oh, absolutely. And uh, in the end, I don't think they accomplished their goal in the
2: meeting. But. No, we, I think we set a clear future mm-hmm. um, for ourselves at the end of the meeting. They didn't really set a clear direction on no, what I, the next step was. Right,
1: and we only set the clear future because I forced it.
2: Right, <laughs> true.
1: Yeah, that's a typical problem on a sales call for a lot of salespeople. At San Luis, change it. The list of questions that you're going to ask your salespeople, the ones that you're going to learn on the, when is that, November 16th? Those are going to be the questions that the salespeople will learn to ask prospects so they get their answers so they can answer you as a business owner. This is Mike Roth with Sandler Training, finding power and reinforcement. Are you tired of prospects saying, I want to think it over? Are you tired of being an unpaid consultant? Call me at 513-646-6523. On the web at strategic.sandler.com. We're the only Sandler Training Center. That can increase your sales while reducing your taxes. We'll take a quick second now and, and talk about uh, one of the Sandler uh, tactics of the week. Today is uh, tactic is, and thanks for joining us, Jim. Uh, Year. The prospect's favorite brush off on the phone send me some literature. Phil, have you ever heard that?
3: Yes. Do you have any information, Mike? Can you send me something in the email?
1: Yeah, isn't, isn't that terrible? Not, that that sales call just goes no place I'm over the phone, and then you follow up uh, a couple of days later, and they say, "Well, I don't remember getting the literature, or it wasn't appropriate, or you never get them back on the phone
3: at all." Then you've wasted time and resources, and
2: you're back to
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So unless you have something better to tell a prospect when they say, "Send me some literature," you have a losing proposition.
3: Yeah, Mike. Uh, what I typically say to people i have got thousands of pieces of literature, which one do you want? Mm-hmm. And then that calls the bluff. And then number two, if it really gets down to the point where they want literature, it's real simple. i go, great, Mike, I'm going to send you XYZ book you asked for. Will you have that read by Tuesday or will Thursday morning be better to call you back?
1: Mm. Alternative event close. Dale Carnegie, 1912. Probably better to avoid that. Um, uh, one of my favorite Sandler moves on Send Me Literature is, uh, you know, thanks for asking for literature. Is it okay if I talk about what just happened here? And the prospect will invariably say, sure. What you really mean is you have no interest at all, and you're afraid to tell me, no, you don't want to hurt my feelings. Believe me, you can't hurt my feelings. Why don't you just tell me no now, and we can not go through the exercise? Well, really, if you're serious, I'll stop by. You pick the day next week. I'll bring up Pile of literature in the trunk of my car. We'll sit down and talk. And after our meeting, I'll go back to the trunk and find the one piece that you really have to le- read to understand w- what is the solution to your problem.
3: That may get bad.
1: eliminate the tire kickers. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, Jim and I left with a lot of literature this morning, <laughs> a lot of reading.
3: Uh, so now you can. Make- yeah, could be
1: these guys, but
3: spilled their candy.
1: hmm Spilled the candy in the lobby. It doesn't. Uh, add up to faster sales. What it adds up to is uh, if it turns into a sale at all, it, it degrades margin. So asking questions really is the answer. The right questions make all the difference in the world. This is a message for professional salespeople. It's an unusual message. I'm going to tell you that our product is expensive and difficult, it takes effort to use, and it's not for everyone. We provide difficult but effective sales training. It's the kind of training familiar to champion athletes. It builds winners in the world of business. We don't promise quick fixes or color brochures, only hard work that will teach you how to sell effectively, even when your price is higher. If you're tired of hearing, I want to think it over, if you're finally ready to invest in yourself and your sales career and learn how to close more business faster, call me, Mike Roth, 513-646-6523, and we'll invite you to our next Lunch & Learn Sales Discovery Workshop on February 5th at either 8 a.m. or 1 p.m. 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is, their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at strategic.sandler.com. We're the only Sandler Training Center that can increase your sales while reducing your taxes. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Phil Wiseman. Phil, uh, we're going to spend this segment of the show... Uh, talking about uh, what well, the whole topic of the show really is, talking about how important is it to have your company listed first in the Google generic search, or is it really being overwhelmed by the
3: pay-per-click? Mike, I'm so glad you asked that question. It's an excellent question, and it's been searched over 8 million Google search. So if you put how to be on page one in Google search, there's 8 million results. Hmm. So if you have time to kill, Go through all those pages and find the magic bullet. But the reality is, in this day and age, people have a short attention. I'm this way myself. If I'm looking for a plumber or an electrician, I'm not going to dig the page 10 unless the first nine pages were not people in my area they didn't have a phone number or were not relevant to them. I'm, I'm looking for a person on, on page one. I, I, I'm impatient as are people. Too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And um, being on page one is important. Well, how important is it to be actually number one as opposed to number two or three in the generic search?
3: There's lots of debate on that. The reality is page one is the prime spot. Uh, a good example, let's talk about you for strategic.sandler.com, strategic sales expert. If you go into Google today and type in sales training in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. where does Micro show up? As a matter of fact, you will see four paid ads, then you'll see a small map, and then the next entry you see on page one is strategic sales experts, com. And so the question is, how did Mike Roth get on page one of Google search for Cincinnati when there's approximately 1.6 million results for that search?
1: Mm-hmm. Only 1 million?
3: 1. 1.6 million, okay. Mike. Mm-hmm. That's an extra 600,000.
1: Just... Sales training in Cincinnati. Sales
3: training in Cincinnati. So as we're sitting here, Mike's actually Googled it up, and he can see all those nice paid ads.
1: Now, and the paid ad, ads, those are at the top of the page, and those are the ones that people are paying per click.
3: Paying per click. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see a small map there of two places uh, over in Cincinnati. But then uh, next you'll see sales training. Well, let's look at this page. I don't know what browser we've got here, but, oh, I see what you did. You just put put sales training in Cincinnati. Oh,
1: I, I abbreviated and left out in.
3: And there we'll see you're on page one. The question is, um, how, how did we show up? Just go down the page, we look, and sure enough, uh, strategic sales experts come up. Hmm. So that's in Google Chrome. Good questions. How do you get there? How do you stay there?
1: And doesn't it change based on your IP address, where you're searching
0: from?
3: If you have a location where the web browser knows where you're that search from, yes. It's mm-hmm. going to show you more. And that gets to a second issue of, you know, having a Google My Business that verify and say, oh, yeah, this business is in this physical. And when people search for the station, let's have them show up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, might need a little bit of work because these things change every day.
3: They do change every day. It's constantly competitive. Everybody wants to be on. So, what happens is they hire people like me, and it's um, a little bit of a chase game. We outthink our competitors, they think us, and we go back and forth. But the key to sustaining your content, good example with strategic sales experts, you have a website that actually makes sales training, has information about sales training, tactics, methodology, sales management. So when people search those terms, those are the words the training and the services you offer that are outlined that keeps you relevant in the search.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, in in Google search, uh, keywords used to be an important uh, thing to have in your uh, header of your website. Is that no longer important?
3: Keywords are important, but not in the old fashion. Google realized in 2008 that just shoving words into code didn't mean they existed on the web page, and therefore people weren't having a good user experience. And the reality is Google wants to earn money, and they're going to make a lot of money. their search engine very relevant and giving you the results you're looking for. And so you take those keywords, and so you actually put them in content on the web page and in context. So you could throw them all on one page. Google's little algorithm after a while go, hey, people come to this page, they're jumping right off because there's no content or context, and you will quickly drop.
1: Okay, then let's talk about the next factor that comes up is the meta description.
3: That is ridiculous, very underestimated. The meta description are those words that come underneath your website name when you're doing a search. Now, why is that important? If there's nothing there, you haven't told me your brand promise, your offerings, what you can do for them. A very good meta description tells me exactly what your business is about, what services you can provide me, and why I share on your website. So meta description is very important very well formed. Not from your perspective, from your buyer.
1: Mm-hmm. So those are the words that appear below the website URL in the search. Okay. Is there a limit to the number of characters that you could put on
3: that? Yes. You could put a 1,000 words... I encourage people to try to trim that down in a perfect world to about 70. Uh, one, people aren't going to read all the words. What you're looking for really are two to three lines that get your brand promise, what you're offering. You can put as much as you want, but the reality is you've got about 2.2 seconds to grab attention.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And people are not going to take a minute to read your meditation. They're going to glance at it, the good words that jump off that describe your offer.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Google is one search engine. Um, so one of the, and, and we have to optimize for as many op- engines as there are, are out there, and there are probably over 60 good ones. Uh, how many of the of the top engines do you think uh, someone should optimize their page for?
3: The next, well, here's how searching. People are surprised when I tell them that YouTube is one of the top three search engines. YouTube, that's all videos, correct? Many people will go to YouTube to look for information, to see a video. So when you're looking at branding your company, getting your name out there, Google, YouTube, Mm -hmm. and then the often forgotten Bing. People go, what's Bing? Mm -hmm.
1: uh,
3: If you have Windows, I just bought a new laptop. Windows 10. Yeah, it's got this new browser. It defaults to Yahoo. Microsoft has purchased Yahoo, so therefore it's going to come default. And so you need to be very aware of how you appear there.
1: Also on Windows 10. Uh, if you reset your browser to anything other than
3: edge. It goes right back.
1: It goes right back. What a nasty feature.
3: Yes, and it took me about a week to override that finally figure out. <laughs> oh yeah?
1: Can you tell our listeners how to do that?
3: No, because then I'd be spilling my candy in the lobby. Okay. But you can certainly go to my website, schedule a phone call with me, be more than happy to see.
1: And if they wanted to uh, do that, the website is
3: analytics that profit.
1: Huh, good. Uh, You you didn't mention two others that a lot of people talk about today, uh, Yelp and Facebook. How important is it to do work uh, to optimize your website on those two sites, Yelp and Facebook? Let's talk about Yelp first.
3: Yelp is one of those local indexes. A good example, I was up in Wisconsin, my son. Uh, My wife was with me looking for dining choices, and every choice was made of Yelp because you can have product reviews. um, So we only went to the best-reviewed restaurants, um, but the reality is there are services that will pay people to write reviews on Yelp. And that can cause your credibility to go down. It's much better to see reviews spaced over time because then you're going to believe the credibility. Now let's talk about Facebook. Facebook is very important. A business should have a Facebook business. And a business should also verify. That's a process that you go through Facebook. They check some credentials to determine that you really are a legitimate business. And you'll see a check mark. And that means you're verified on Facebook. I use Facebook every day to broadcast messages about blog posts, content offerings, relevant content that then drives traffic back to a site.
1: And we post about this radio show on
3: this Facebook. This show, the leaders Workshop, coming up November mm-hmm. 16th. Those are excellent tools. Once again, you need, think of that meta description. You've got a couple lines in Facebook. Think of that as a meta description. What are you going to write? Yeah, you've got a great graphic. What are you going to write to the reader's eye? We scroll through there very rapidly and go, oh, business leaders Workshop. Oh, ten questions! You should your salespeople. I, I got a friend that needs that, or I need that. I'm gonna.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's take a uh, a short break here, and we're going to listen to Sam Rule number
4: twenty-two. Hi, I'm Rich Gorman with Sam La Rule number twenty-two only give a presentation for the c- a skilled hunter knows how to track his prey cautious patient and waits exact moment to fire his shot he waits sure that his prize target is line squarely in the crosshair scope for pulling the tr- as salespeople our process should be very, simple. we have a response to sure we know what that prospect wants are and how our product or service can fit. We also need to know exactly how much the prospect time, resource, and money to solving their problem. And we need to know the process, the prospect to go through in order to value our product. And probably most, we need to let the prospect know that we expect at the end of our present, only once we have a fully qualified prospect, we fire our kid and deliver the present I'm Rich Gorman with Sandler rule number 22 only give a presentation.
5: Jody Williamson with Sandler Training. I'm here today to talk about rule number 24. Product knowledge used at the wrong time can... You know, have you ever overwhelmed a prospect in a sales call with too much product knowledge? If you don't think you have, you actually probably have and not really. Because one of the things we hear from prospects all the time is salespeople tend to come in and talk in buzzwords, industry jargon, uh, acronyms, and in the process they make prospects feel uncomfortable because the salesperson is assuming the prospect knows what they're talking about. And sometimes they do, but many times they don't. And when that happens on a call, a prospect could do one of two things. One thing is they could say, well, time out. I'm not sure what you're saying. Can you, can you clarify yours? But many prospects won't do that, because that implies that they're, they're not intelligent, that they're dummies. And so instead of that, they tend to default to option number two, which is they don't say anything. But what they want to do is get out of that situation because no one likes to feel uncomfortable. So getting out of the situation can look like they have a meeting to go to all of a sudden or you try to get back in and they don't take your phone calls and they give you the runaround. So we have to be really careful of, of using product knowledge that way on us. And, and part of what we have to look at, we have to, we have to say, like, where does this come from? And one of the things that we see is that, you know, in our schooling, we learn something new and we get tested, and we feed it back, and we get strokes and recognition, we get good grades by learning something and regurgitating it back. And so what happens in sales is people learn something, and, and as they're talking about their, their information and technical knowledge, they're, they are getting some feedback and some strokes, uh, and they're feeling better about themselves. And when people talk about what they're comfortable with, they do feel good about them. But here's the Sandler rule also, is that sales is no place to get your emotional need, it's a place to go to them. And if I'm using my product knowledge, to feel better about myself. That's the wrong reason is product knowledge. Product knowledge has a value for to give you confidence, so you can ask better questions, so you can qualify prospects better. But other than that, you have to be really careful how you use. So I want you to think critically about your, your, your client interaction and ask yourself how much product knowledge and industry jargon are you using. And I would challenge you also to to Try to retool your sales calls in a way where you focus on asking really good questions and not focusing on giving all your product knowledge.
1: This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Phil Wiseman and we're talking about uh, Google search and uh, generic web placement. Uh, Phil, after doing a little bit of research, I get the feeling that we're, that we're at war here on the web, and uh, because you've fixed your web website, created a new website and done your optimization, almost immediately every other vendor in your space will attempt to attack you. Is, is that what, what we're looking at? Are we in a state of war here on that the web? Is,
3: that is a very fair and accurate statement. It is war. It is competition. That's the nature of business today. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's impossible to make a single chance to you to keep that relevancy on the web.
1: So when a vendor comes by and says, hey, we're going to charge you X number of dollars, Uh, per month for a couple of months to straighten you out and then charge you a lower amount after that. That's usually not going to work out.
3: What happens? They go old school, shove a bunch of content on there. You remain relevant for about 30 days. You bleed right off and they come back and go, Oh, you need our premium pack. That has more work. That is not the way to sustain yourself.
1: How do you sustain yourself on the web?
3: You have to keep adding fresh content, having fresh events. Uh, if you have the same stale content, uh, Your competitor is going to do what I do. going to do an analysis of your website, find out the content that's resonating, and guess what? Come up with better content. So things like blog posts, uh, blog radio, things that get the name out, get your product out, keep you relevant. And particularly a blog post allows you to focus a lot of keywords in context in a short space. Nobody's going to have a thousand keywords in page. Sure. If you're talking about sales tactics, for example, at uh, strategic.sama.com, uh, there's you can get a sales tactic of the week. Uh, that's great, relevant content that people can search and find. And go, oh, this is great! I want to sign up for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, speaking about blog content, can that be automated, or uh, so for users, so that every week their web content, their blog has a new post?
3: That is an excellent. Qu- and there's two really great things that happen to really bad. So let's talk about the really bad. What I see a lot of people doing is they'll get an RSS feed service, they'll have it repopulate content, and you're simply a narrator, and I see this on LinkedIn, Facebook, it's just reposting, for lack of a polite word, puking out somebody else's content with no relevance to your audience. Mm -hmm. The better way to just take that and put it in context for your audience. So, yeah, you can use Flipboard or RSS feeds, and they have great articles and content. But then you curate that. So you don't narrate it, repeat it. You curate it. You put it in terms of your audience. Mm-hmm. And that takes work, and there is no magic. Click the button. Somebody does need to write relative.
1: Mm-hmm. The other thing that we talked about on Yelp earlier was the fact it's a review site. Uh, are there any services that provide automated review uh tactics, so reviews can be added to your site automatically
3: yes, you can actually for as many nice reviews as you would like, and like I said the the key for a lot of those is to look at somebody's review and look where's that person what are their customers
1: so is there a program uh where you can contact your existing good customers who are happy and solicit them uh to write a review, collect it, then post it for them and uh Thank them for, for their review. If they write a bad review, the automated software files it.
3: Actually, I discourage that type of practice. I encourage you to talk, satisfy customers and have them go to your Google, your Facebook page and review you. Allow for comments on your website to talk about the effectiveness of SAMR training, and also I encourage people to allow negative reviews. Now, that may seem contrary, but the negative review gives you credibility and shows that you're not filters, and there are actual reviews and two, it gives you a chance to... Um, and research has shown that when you quickly respond to a negative review, uh, that builds brand ability the Internet of.
1: Good. So why don't you outline for our users, because a lot of users don't know how to write a positive re- review, what site do you go to to write a review?
3: I would encourage people to go to the Google My Business page. is a great place. You can put as many re- words in your review as you'd like. The benefit also is you're going to know who the review is from. It's not anonymous. Mm -hmm. So um, So if you buy a product, have a service you're really happy with, Google My Business. The next place is that business Facebook page. You can write reviews on Facebook. And then if you're trying to encourage your satisfied customers to do that, guess what? They don't know what link to click. They don't know where to go. So send them a nice email that actually has the hyperlink to your Google it has the link embedded to your Facebook page where they can make those comments. Don't make it difficult. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's great. Are we doing that?
3: Yes. Okay. Need to be.
1: If you're a client of uh, uh, strategic sales experts or the former Roth & Associates, we want you to write some good positive reviews.
3: And actually, I'll be getting with Mike next week, and we'll be sending you an email with those links so that you can write those.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Phil, that you've been... Uh, uh, working with a uh, product, I think called Hubstub. No, not not Hubstub. What was the name of that new product?
3: Hubspot.
1: Hubspot. I knew it was Hub something. Not a Hubcap, but Hubstub. Hub Hubspot. Hubspot. Yeah, Hubstub is something else.
3: Yeah, I think they buy food through.
1: No, I thought that was a ticket site.
3: Yeah, that's a ticket. Yeah, maybe sporting events. Sporting. Events. There's a lot of other.
1: Okay, so w- what does your hub do?
3: Excellent question, Mike. Appreciate you asking. Uh, actually, I've recently become a HubSpot agency partner. And what HubSpot is, it probably has been on the market for quite a few years, but in recent years, it has really evolved to a single portal. The best way to describe it, I, I met with a company today, and they were they were one person doing social media, one person doing email, one person site. Uh, they had a CRM, customer relationship manager. They had an IT department, and they were trying to get all those pieces to talk to each other simultaneously, and that could be frustrating. What HubSpot does, it's a portal where you can. Create website pages, landings, content offering. Gather the information in relationship man Send relevant content that interacts with your website, your blog post, your landing pages. Also correlates, curates, puts all that data into a dashboard so you can see who's opened your email, what did they click, what things resonate. So it's just a portal that pulls all those multiple together so you don't have to manually do all those.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. Is, is that something that uh, your web department internally should do, or is that something that only an outside vendor should
3: tackle? Actually, HubSpot is extremely user-friendly. has excellent training videos. You can just go to HubSpot.com, look at some of the material, watch videos, have a free demo, uh, and make your own decision. You don't necessarily have to hire an outside expert like myself. Mm-hmm. Many companies do because they don't, want, they don't want to write web pages. They don't have the expertise in background, but for those that have the expertise in background and are comfortable doing that, you can use that portal to do everything we've talked about, relevant landing pages, relevant content, relevant social media. So it's a matter of user. Mm-hmm. And it's quite scalable.
1: Do yeah, you have a, a demo page that people can look at?
3: Actually, they can go to just HubSpot.com mm-hmm. and... You can actually download a free CRM, and a lot of people go, well, well, "Why would I want a free CRM?" Well, this CRM is a little bit more robust and more marketing oriented. Interfaces completely with sales, and a couple of the.
1: Some of, some of us use this. They'll use something called Goldmine yes. CRM. Does it have an interface with Goldmine?
3: That's not a standard integration with a mouse oh, click. Oh, hurts. however, there, I am sure that there's an API that somebody has. API just new products come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, that's not a mouse.
1: You'll have to look for that for me. Yes. Uh, because that makes life a lot easier if you have only one CRM.
3: Yes, yes. Phil,
1: mm-hmm. uh, so what's on the horizon in terms of optimizing the performance of your website to drive business to your company?
3: A lot of people are having now on a project basis to actually evaluate page load and mobile responsive. Uh, if your website is not completely mobile responsive, you will be irrelevant five years. Uh, just think about it. When you're out and about, do you get out a laptop to see where you're going to dinner or check your email? No, a smartphone, tablet. So mobile responsive, mobile design, very important. That is what's happening now. And uh, for those that aren't uh, making sure their site is mobile responsive, they're going to be in trouble in five years be dinosaur.
1: Yeah, we just went through that. Uh, website upgrade here at Sandler, a, a massive headache, but I guess it was worth it. And the, several years ago, we did a, a study on load time. We went from uh, super high quality graphic pictures to much lower quality pictures that loaded fast, and that made a big difference.
3: Recent study out by Google, 0.2 seconds to my attention. And on a mobile site, if I'm not completely loaded, images and all, in under three seconds, bounce. Bounce means I leave. I'm not coming back. That further research showed that once a person bounces from your mobile, side, highly, very unlikely to ever come back. So the wave of the future is mobile responsibly. You you must address it now, or you'll be around. It's mm-hmm. not really around. Mm-hmm. Good.
1: I guess I covered the questions that I uh, wanted to uh, talk about here today. Phil, is there, are there any other topics that you want to bring up?
3: Well. I kind of get frustrated from my end about all the magic fix that people offer for website design, for search traffic, and what I would encourage people, the correlation to Sandler training is tough. It's not for everybody, but the results are fantastic. Maintaining relevance on the Internet is tough. It's hard work. There is not one size fits all. There is not one fix. It's ongoing. Just like in Sandler, it's ongoing training through reinforcement. To keep those good habits going, if you have a website, you must think of it as a living organism. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Sandler is all about long-term reinforcement. That's why we issue a new calendar every month and do 30 hours of uh, in-classroom training. And that's the way people learn. Uh, Phil, I want to thank you for being on the show. And uh, Scott, I'm going to ask you to uh, take it away.
0: Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.